Welcome to The Critical Angle. The Critical Angle with Rick Beckett is a fresh and authentic take on the jewelry industry that focuses on sharing the perspectives of a wide range of jewelry professionals. From designers to marketing professionals, my goal is to share and elevate these voices in hopes that others can learn from their respective experiences in the jewelry industry. David Rocha is an executive director for Jewelers for Children, a nonprofit foundation centered around children who are the victim of catastrophic illness or life-threatening abuse and neglect. Since its inception in 1999, Jewelers for Children has raised $60 million for the children with the, with the help from its charity partners. Rocha has been at the helm since 2004. Welcome, David. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Good. Um, you know, we have so, so many things to talk about today, and I'm, I'm really excited to have you on as a guest. Um, how did you get involved in Jewelers for Children? Well, at the time that Jewelers for Children was formed, I was working at the Jewelers of America. And, you know, we, uh, the president of Jewelers of America at the time was on the original board of Jewelers for Children. So we stepped up as an organization to assist, um, you know, particularly in outreach to our retail membership. Um, and so I worked very closely with my predecessor, Patty Light, um, until she decided to step down. And when that opportunity came up, I thought, you know, what a great way to, you know, use the background, the relationships that I had with retailers. And prior to coming to JA, I had worked at the Manufacturing Jewelers and Silversmiths of America. So I knew a lot of the manufacturers as well. And I thought this could be a great way to use those relationships and do something a little different, um, you know, that had a really... Not that what MJSA and JA do is not important, but this has a, you know, a real kind of human um, element attached to it that you don't find in either of those positions. So I interviewed and was hired to replace her back, as you said, in 2004. Um, so I can't believe all this time has gone by. We're into year 18 now, um, and it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I have um, been uh, able to enjoy a, a trip with you to St. Jude's. And that was life-changing for me. Um, can you talk a little bit about what, what Jewish for Children does specifically? Yeah, what the, the goal, I think, initially with the organization was formed and what we continue to have is to have a, a strong impact with our charity partners. And, you know, many of the jewelers are, you know, extremely generous and they give directly to charities locally and nationally. But few of them are able to give at the level that we can as a you know, an industry. And by consolidating our fundraising efforts through Jewelers for Children, we're able to be, you know, really impactful. The, the four core charities, we call them our legacy charities right now, have all received in excess of $10 million in the name of the jewelry industry in the past um, almost 25 years. So that, that makes a huge impact on the lives of children and also makes the jewelry industry a very important donor to those legacy charities. Yeah, when you when you visit St. Jude's, you actually see quite a few jewelers just on the walls. I, I, I was noticing, I think, in the food court, I don't know if it was Sterling or something like that, but you, you see a large, uh, some large displays. You can tell jewelers are really invested. Absolutely. And, you know, when the charity was first formed in 1999, and it grew out of, you know, fundraising that was going on in the industry that was event-based, and a group of, I call them visionaries, decided that if we focused our attention in one area, 
then we could have a much bigger impact because at the time they were giving money, you know, to a lot of different, very worthy causes like St. Jude, Make-A-Wish, Alzheimer's, breast cancer. Um, so the money was being spread out as much as it could. And they decided to concentrate it um, in an area that focused on children and the health of children and well-being of children. And at the time, there were three key individuals who had existing relationships with some of our charity partners. And that was Signet Jewelers working with St. Jude, Zale working with Make-A-Wish, and Hellsberg Diamonds working with Elizabeth Glazer Pediatric AIDS Foundation. And the idea being is that we only wanted to work with charities that were, first of all, you know, completely transparent and everyone felt good about them. We didn't, you know, being the stewards of the industry's charitable giving, we certainly didn't want to work with any organization that didn't have a proven track record. And all three of those organizations had a great track record, um, you know, with the, the relationships that they had with the jewelers. And then in 2002, um, we decided to add a fourth one, and that was the National CASA Association. And we did that because Fred Meyer um, had an existing relationship with them. So we've only worked with organizations that, you know, we know are, you know, what, where we want to be. That's, that's a, such a, a smart move. And I think, you know, for me as a jeweler, you know, you, you, you go through a year and you're thinking, well, what local charities can I give money to at this time? And you, you kind of try to pick and choose, but sometimes you don't know and you're just putting a little money here or a little money there. And I think the idea of coming together and really being um, purposeful with our dollars so that we can make a maximum impact is um, really cool. And no, also and the fact that you guys work with kids. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Kids and puppies, you know, there are things that people just can't say no to. Um, but I think, you know, what you mentioned is, is important. It's, I mean, you're faced, I'm sure, with challenges every day from folks in your local community who are reaching out to say, hey, can you help us? And it's, um, it's a lot to have to kind of evaluate all of those options and to look at what you want to do. And what I always tell jewelers is that, you know, your charitable giving really needs to be part of your annual plan. And it's not just something that you can, as it comes up, address it. And I think, as you said, strong charities, I think the local connection is very important. But I also tell jewelers that a national connection is important. And I think if you think of people who might move into your area um, and come to your store, they're not super familiar with the area. It's just a place that they ended up. And they might th those local charities that you support might not resonate with them. But some bigger name charities like a Make-A-Wish or St. Jude do. So you've really covered your bases there. For, you know, you're addressing your local community, which is important, and you're also addressing those who might be from outside the local community and not have that same emotional connection to those local organizations. Yeah, I realized that, that it really brought to life what some of these larger organizations do, because if you're not around those areas or, or directly dealing with something that has to do with those organizations, you hear about CASA and you hear about St. Jude's and you see the TV ads or whatever it may be, um, and you, you do associate them as a good organization, but outside of that, you have no real idea about what they do. And then being able to be a part of your charity, um, we were able to visit, actually visit St. Jude's, and I was shocked at, it really brought everything to, to life for me and, and brought it right to my face of, of what these kids are dealing with and how much work it takes to um, work with them through um, leukemia or, or, or whatever it is. It's, it's just so, it, there's so much involved. I think that was the scale of, of what 
it takes to to make these things work like St. Jude's is, was was really mind blowing for me. You know, it really, I mean, it's phenomenal what they've accomplished in the time that they've existed. And I think, you know, for, you know, CASA and for St. Jude, you're talking about two organizations that are dealing with children, you know, basically under 18 years of age. And there are regulations and laws where there's only so much that can be disclosed. You know, HIPAA regulations um, cover children, you know, in their covers everyone in their medical care, but in particular children are, you know, come under that umbrella. And CASA, if a child's in the foster care system, they, you know, that information can't be shared with the public. So while they have these huge success stories, it's hard for them to be able to communicate that direct impact. And I think, you know, like when you had the chance to visit St. Jude, hear about the research that they do, the successes that they have, and that they share with the entire medical community around the world for free, then you can start to understand how, you know, there are children right in your area who have benefited you know, whether they actually went to St. Jude or they went to a local hospital that was able to use a protocol that was developed at St. Jude. I mean, that's just massive um, in what they're Can able to Can you speak to, to some of those numbers? I, I can't recall, but the numbers were in terms of somebody that checks into St. Jude and, and leaves um, with a clean bill of health. What, what are? Do you remember some of those percentages or can you give us an idea? Well, initially, if you go back to when the hospital opened back in the early 60s, the, the survival rate for um, acute lymphoid leukemia, leukemia, which is a, a common form of childhood cancer, was about 4%. Today, it's 94%. So, I mean, the, what they've learned in that time and what they're able to accomplish um, is just incredible. And what a lot of people don't understand is that sometimes when these kids go to St. Jude and they're treated, they may end up being there for two or three years and constantly undergoing treatment. And you got to see how St. Jude really tries to make their life as normal as possible. So that it's not a child sitting in a hospital bed 24 hours a day. They have a chance to, you know, they're living off campus in an apartment with a member of their family. They go to the hospital for treatment. And then hopefully every night they get to go back to that apartment. St. Jude has teachers on staff that work with every child that's there. Those teachers reach out to the local um child, you know, the child's local teachers so that they can try to maintain that kid along with their class so that when their treatment is completed and they're better and they go back to, you know, their home and go back to their regular school, they're not, you know, three years behind. They're right where they should be at that time. And St. Jude does all that at no cost to the families. Um, that's all the, you know, the fundraising that they do allows them to be able to provide that on top of paying their, you know, huge staff of researchers who are constantly working every day to find more and more cures for these diseases. That's a, that is, it's just such an incredible story. Do you have any favorite memories or stories from your experience being uh, where you are with Jewelers for Children? Is there anything that sticks out for you in your career? I mean, to me, every time I get to meet, you know, one of these kids and their family is really, you know, it's life-changing. And I think that what has always, you know, kind of just floored me is that every child that I've met, and, you know, I've met dozens and dozens of them over, you know, the past 18 years, is that their families are so appreciative and so willing to give back. You know, when we ask people to come to our events and speak, or, you know, would they write a letter for us or send us something, um, we've never, ever gotten anything less than, you know, like 150% absolutely. And they're just so appreciative of um, 
you know, what's happened to their child and how that success story and that, you know, strangers were willing to, to donate money so that their child could get better. And I mean, that to me, if, if anybody would have the right to say, no, leave me alone, I've had enough, would be these families. But none of them ever have. They, they wanted to know what more can we do to say thank you. And I mean, that to me is just, just overwhelming. Um, and, to, yeah. to, you know, and kids are, kids are resilient, you know, I mean, it, a child who's very young and is very sick goes through this treatment and then they're better. And, you know, after a couple of years go by, they sort of forget about it. You know, they're, they're on with their lives and they're happy as can be, um, which is great. Of course, the parents, I don't think ever, you know, for the parents, it, it's life changing as well. And they never forget that experience. And I think they always kind of, um, you know, hold their breath a little bit every day. Um, but the kids just, I mean, kids just go on with life. They're just so happy. And um, that's just, it's great. It really is a great thing. You said something um, earlier that I, I wanted to talk about, which is planning planning your charity in, you know, kind of at the start of the year. And that's something that we've started to do as well. And um, I think, how what would you tell jewelers about charitable giving? What would you tell jewelers that maybe haven't been in, involved quite yet or, are thinking about whether to use resources and how to do that. Um, how important do you think that is to the DNA of, of the jewelry stores out there, let's say? I mean, I think charitable giving is really important for anyone that's you know public facing nowadays. We all know that the younger generation really wants to know what you're doing to give back and that the purchases that they're making are having an impact, whether that's an environmental impact or a social impact, and it's very important to them. I, you know, for jewelers and looking at what you want to do and actually for any business is I always tell them, start with your talk to your employees, because you may say, I'm going to support this organization and that's our, you know, corporate place. That's where we're going to be. But if it doesn't resonate with your employees, it's going to be a real hard sell for them to push it and push it to maybe the wrong word, but for them to adopt it. And right. I think that when you get buy in from your employees they also have a connection to your local community too. They have friends, they talk to customers, they know what the priorities are. And when you identify those causes that do resonate with your customers and resonate with your employees, you're going to be even more successful at fundraising because then it becomes something they feel like they're part of and that they're invested in. And they're only going to work beside you to make that successful rather than you having to try to do that all on your own. And as you say, when you work that into your annual plan, you know, and you're laying out, you know, what are our, what special events are we going to have? When are our sale times? What holidays are we going to focus on? You're able to then incorporate those charities into that plan right from the start so that it's not like, you know, getting ready at the last minute and trying to figure out what to do. That's such good advice because then you can incorporate it basically into your marketing or whatever it may be exactly. for a future party. We're going to be with Jewelers for Children. We have this money set aside or whatever yeah, but that, that makes, that's really smart. And nowadays um, you have to be, you have to be about more than the dollar. I mean, Absolutely. in the eyes of our consumer, you can't, you, you have to be about something bigger than yourself. You can't be about just profit over people. And um, yeah, these, there's expectations, I think, from people that, that you do more as a business or that you do give back. And so um, that's great advice. And um, I think also, you, I'm sorry. No, I just think also as a as a jeweler, sometimes when people, especially, you know, that self-purchaser, there might be a little bit of guilt attached to that. Like, should I spend this money on myself? 
And I think that by showing that you're being, you know, a, you're a good corporate citizen and you're doing something to give back helps them feel a little better about that purchase. And that it's not just a totally selfish person purchase just for me. Um, you know, it's helping this local business and it's helping others. What makes Jewelers for Children um, such a strong business in terms of, I mean, I feel like there's such, there's a lot of, there's low overhead, I guess I want to say. Um, you guys do such a good job with, it seems like a slim, a slim team and, and you don't seem like, it seems like a lot of the money goes straight to the charities. Can you speak to that at all, David? Well, that's definitely our goal is to maximize, you know, as much of what we raise to the charities. We have a small staff. We're also very fortunate that, um, you know, we have donated office space, which allows us to not have to worry about things like rent or an electric bill or taxes. And we also have some amazing supporters out there, um, people who step up to provide us with marketing services. We have a great network of volunteers who, you know, the skills that they have, they're more than willing to lend to us at no charge to us. Of course, we recognize that as an in-kind donation, but at the same time, it's money that we don't have to expend on those services that sometimes other organizations have to because they're not as lucky as we are. But I mean, just marketing. I mean, in 2022 alone, we've already gotten over $100,000 in donated marketing services. So that's money that we haven't had to spend, you know, to, to get to that or even not spending it and not having those services available to us. Um, so, you know, we're really lucky in that way. So coming up too, we have, uh, an event at the AGS Conclave. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we do um, a really large silent auction at the AGS Conclave. We get some great support from, you know, everyone who attends both, you know, the suppliers and the retailers and, uh, that, you know, traditionally has raised in excess of $30,000. And so from a three day event, that's really great. And we also have an addition of our rings of strength event which is a walk run that we started um, around the market week in Las Vegas. And we now have an addition at AGS Conclave. And in 2022, the crowd that we had at the Conclave was actually bigger than the crowd we had in Las Vegas. So that's a statement wow. to the commitment, um, you know, from the participants at Conclave. Um, so, and we're excited about that. We're, you know, putting plans together now for a route um, for the Conclave coming up in Louisville. And starting in December, you know, the AGS team gets going on soliciting those donations for the silent auction. So I'm looking forward to another great year. Yeah. So uh, AGS members out there, if you have something to donate, um, please do. Please do. Absolutely. For a good cause, right? Yeah. And um, I I will say it is a walk rut. It's not necessarily yeah. like a run rut. So no, no, no. I, it was funny. I went to a charity out here last summer and it was a 5K at a winery. And I was oh, wow. thinking to myself, um, you probably just grab a glass of wine and kind of walk the 5K leisurely. And uh, I, I didn't realize that the event had some Olympian uh, runners that was that it was um, that were a part of it. And so essentially, I had I think one glass of wine, and then I was told, "All right, get out and run." And we <laughs> had to run. It was not a oh, walk wow. run; it was a run run. And uh, it, but it was still fun. It was still for a good cause, but. This, if you want to walk it with a buddy and a cup of coffee, um, it's just as fun, in my opinion. No, it it definitely is. I mean, I think that that's, um, you know, we do have folks who walk, folks who run, you know, and in the Vegas edition, there are years when we have a biking component where these really aggressive bikers go out to Red Rock Canyon and do a 50K on a bike, which is kind of like up 
up a hill and down a hill and they're gone for like four or five hours. So they're totally committed. But, you know, we welcome everybody from the folk. And some people, you know, don't even walk the full 5K, but they still want to participate and fundraise. And that's what it's all about is having a good time. So the best way for a jeweler to get involved if they're interested would be to go to your website. Absolutely. We have a lot of um, information on the website. Um, you know, our goal, obviously our goal is to raise money, but I never start with the jeweler saying, hey, make a donation. I want the jeweler to get familiar with the organization and to find ways that they can get involved because it's not always about the money that the jeweler gives. It's about the money they're able to raise by doing different types of programs in their store, you know, like our canister program or like a special event. We have a lot of jewelers who run some amazing special events marking anniversaries or holidays or, you know, those types of things. And their customers are happy to jump on board because there's a good cause attached to it. So that's what I, another thing I'd like a little clarity on. What do you recommend for retailers in terms of, yeah, store, store presence or how a customer were to give to Jewelers for Children? Uh, do you recommend it as part of their sale? Do you recommend it? In the party, do you have, recommend the canister? What 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 are your recommendations? I mean, I think the canister is always a good option simply because it's visible. Um, and that's you know, a canister we, on your counter basically saying you can donate here. It talks about Jewelers for Children and it has the logos of the four charities on it. We've recently updated that to include some QR codes for PayPal and Venmo because, you know, people 25 years ago, people carried a lot more change in their pockets than they do nowadays. Um, so we've, we've updated the canister, but there are folks who, you know, want someone, you know, if they say, what's that about? And someone says to them, oh, that's our industry's charity. We raise money for children. And these are the charities. Not many people will walk away. You know, they'll drop something in or now they'll be able to scan these QR codes. But we've had folks who told us that, you know, they've given somebody back some change from changing a watch battery, you know, three or four dollars. And when they tell them about what's going on, then they'll reach in their pocket and pull out a 20 and drop that into the can. So it really is. A, it's a great way, I think, to initiate the conversation. I think if you are doing a special event and you want to work with Jewelers for Children, there are ways to incorporate something in to say, you know, for every purchase made, we'll donate X dollars or X percentage to Jewelers for Children. Or if you make a donation to Jewelers for Children, we'll match that up to a certain point. We've also had Jewelers go to their supplier network and say, hey, we're having a special event in our store. We're going to raise money for Jewelers for Children. Would you donate something that we could do in a raffle or a silent auction? And that's one more way to get your customers in the store is to say, hey, stop by and see this really great silent auction we have going on. And while you're here, you know, look at the watch promotion that we're running. Um, and that's a way to get everybody involved. And as I said, you're it's not about the jeweler because a lot of jewelers I'll talk to, they'll say, oh, we give so much to charity. I don't have any more to give. And it's not about I want you to give. I just want you to get involved and learn about the charity. And hopefully that builds a long term relationship. Yeah, I would highly recommend it personally. I I um, I'm so grateful for how, you know, my my involvement with uh, Jewelers for Children. And it, it has left a, a lasting impact in my life. And I would recommend it for everyone. Um, kind of one last question for you here. Um, can you tell me just in the, in the spirit of giving and in the spirit of charity, um, was it Danny Thomas who started Jewelers for Children? Was that no, his Danny? Name? No, Danny Thomas started St. Jude. Or not, excuse me, St. Jude is what I meant to yes. say. Yeah. Yeah. Danny Thomas was an can, actor. Can you, 
Can you tell me a little bit about who he was? Because I feel like there's something there in terms of generosity and charity and leadership and giving. Absolutely. Um, you know, Danny Thomas um, was an immigrant and he became an actor. I mean, there was a show back on in the late 50s called Make Room for Daddy. And, uh, you know, he starred in that. And he did a lot of, um, you know, he was from that era where um, actors and performers were on stages. Um, you know, they were at um, venues around the country. And Danny was struggling. Um, you know, he really, um, his career hadn't totally taken off yet. And he was trying really hard um, to make it out there. And he and his wife, um, Rosemary, um, they had a child. And that child was Marlo Thomas. And Danny needed a, a small amount of money at the time. It was probably something like 9 or $10 to pay the hospital so that his wife and newborn daughter could come home. And he didn't have the money that he needed. And so he prayed to St. Jude Thaddeus that, you know, please, if you help me in this situation, I'll someday I'll build a shrine for you. And later that day, he got a call about a job. And he was able to get an acting job. And he's able to get the money and pay to get his wife and his daughter, you know, home from the hospital. And he worked for a number of years um, to raise money. He went to all of his, you know, people in the, the Hollywood scene and people that he knew with his career to attempt to raise money. Um, and he was Lebanese. So he went to the Lebanese community and said, I'm going to build this children's hospital. Will you help me? And he raised, you know, enough money to get ready to open the hospital. And then he needed a place to open the hospital. And he had a friend who was a priest in the Memphis area. And he said, you know, if you come to Memphis with this hospital, I guarantee you that the city will support you. And he was able to get support from the city of Memphis, you know, some abatements and things like that. And he was able to open the hospital in 1962 as his shrine to St. Jude. And he and his wife were actually buried on the grounds of the hospital. There's a, we visited the, the building when we were there, um, in the, you know, there in the garden outside of the building. And the hospital has, you know, I mean, it, it's a complex now. It, we, you know, when you look at the pictures from the early 60s and see this really small, you know, place and what it's grown into today through the generosity of their donors and the success of their research, you know, it's, if they hadn't had the successes that they had, then they wouldn't be, you know, where they are today. Um, they've just, they've attracted researchers from across the globe who want to come there and do work because of the cutting edge things that they're doing. I mean, they even have their own pharmacy on site and they have approval from the FDA to develop and test drugs, um, which is just wow. phenomenal. It's just yeah. phenomenal. I think that's a movie that we need to, uh, to figure out how to get on the air someday is that life story. Absolutely. No, I mean, he was um, an incredible, you know, incredibly generous man, but also a visionary. And, you know, um, yeah. there, there's a really great quote um, from Danny Thomas that I heard the first time I visited St. Jude, you know, right after I started here. And it goes something like, you know, there are two kinds of people, um, you know, in this world. And it's, you know, the givers and the takers. And the takers have more money, but the givers sleep better. And, you know, I just thought that that, you know, it's that's really appropriate, I think, you know, for what he did at St. Jude and what, you know, the industry is doing through Jewelers for Children and helping all these kids. Everybody should be able to sleep better knowing that we've changed the lives of so many children. Well, I just want to sincerely uh, thank you for what you do. 
and thank you for all the lives that you impact and how hard you work uh, for this charity. And thank you for making it a success because, you know, um, you, you, you have made it a success with your leadership and um, you have been able to recruit a lot of really good jewelers out there um, to, to band together. And um, so hats off to you. And um, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, we couldn't be successful without all of you. I'm just the steward here. And if all of you weren't recognizing the benefit of being involved and stepping up, then we wouldn't have the success that we have. So I thank you. David, I hope you have a wonderful day. And um, thank you to everyone who listened to the podcast today. You can find out more information on Instagram. And we hope to see you soon. I think we're done. We're up. Okay, great. Ha, ha, ha.